Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, Canto 6, Chapter 4, the Hamsa Guya Prayers, text number 29. Yajan Niruktam Bachasanirupitam Yakshabi ba Minnesota Yasha Ma Bootsarupam Ganarupam Hitat Tat Savai Gunapaya Bashaga Lakshana Yad yan niruktam bachasa nirupitam Tiyakshabiva manasutta yasham Ma bhutsvarupam ganarupam hi tat tat Sabai ganapaya vishagga lakshanaha Yadhyandiruktam bachasandirupitam Diyakshabiva manasutta yasha Mabutsurupam gunarupam hi tat tat Sabai gunapaya vishagga lakshanaha Doesn't want to miss a word. <laughs> Even mine. So, Hare Krishna. So, <clears throat> the Vedic scriptures describe that the absolute truth is the cause of material creation, uh, not a product of material creation. Therefore, we have to understand what is the, ab- the nature of the absolute truth that has no patent. This hearing process is recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The messages of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are full of potencies. And these potencies can be realized if topics regarding the Supreme Godhead are discussed among devotees. 
This cannot be achieved by the association of mental speculators or academic scholars, for it is realized knowledge. Now, there's a, a really uh, important point that in the association of devotees, Krishna will allow one to understand the transcendental topics. <coughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Otherwise, he will not. <laughs> because the topics of Krishna is literally Krishna giving himself to us. That is Krishna. Um, I've got some quotes here, but... Um, um, it is mentioned in the scriptures. There's no difference between Krishna and the Shrimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. In many temples in India, they still worship. You know, they put a Gita and a Bhagavatam on the altar along with Krishna and they worship just the same as they worship Krishna. A non-different form of Krishna. He gives himself, but he gives himself through his devotees because it is the proper process, it's the easy process <coughs> and Krishna authorises that process. Uh, Krishna doesn't want to authorise a demon. He doesn't want to authorise a fool. God doesn't want to authorise rascals. If he's going to authorise someone, let them be uh, you know, a transcendentally situated devotee with good qualities. Like that. You know, for instance, that's natural. I was talking with some people the other day. <coughs> I was giving an example about working in a bank. And the person happened to be a banker. <laughs> so I didn't know that till I started giving the example. But who does the bank authorise to work in the bank? people they can trust, <laughs> good qualities, they're counting, you know, they've got something very valuable, you know, they just, you know, they don't look for someone with a, a criminal record of theft or this, that or the other, yeah, you come and, you know, obviously very enthusiastic to get money, oh yes, you'll get, definitely get a job, you're prepared to steal it, you're, you're top of the list, no. So Krishna authorises people he can trust, Persons of the highest quality, like Srila Prabhupada. You know, uh, uh, in his entire lifetime, his, his transcendental qualities, uh, you know, you can hear one and be, you know, amazed by that for your entire life. But there's millions. <laughs> it's just one moment after one moment of, uh, you know, these transcendental qualities and activities of Srila Prabhupada. Um, we can get a sample of the lives of the greater charis just to see, you know, in, in the life of Srila Prabhupada. So we get that living example. So, <coughs> um, so they're the right persons. That's, that's natural. It's not a bias. It's just the natural way things are. Who do you get to run a country? Someone you can trust. Someone who's not a bit trigger happy. <laughs> So, now, then, what happens is when someone is authorised to do something, so the government may authorise, uh, you know, persons, 
and then all of the power of the government goes into those authorised persons. So Krishna authorises in the association of my devotees, um, I authorise them to that if you hear from them, then you will understand. I do not authorise others. And I don't want to condone their mischief. <laughs> so, um, so that one, it's authorised, but it's also very potent. Because God authorises, God says, yes, you do that and I'll be right behind you. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but you do the, something different, you know, you, you, you've got a problem. So, and there are many quotes like that. So um, this process of devotional service, so therefore we understand the Bhagavad Gita by accepting what Krishna's devotee accepted. So Arjuna accepted Bhagavad Gita fully. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's why he accepted. Krishna authorised, you'll be the person I authorise to give the understanding of Bhagavad Gita from this point on what your um, uh, understanding will be accepted as the true understanding of Gita and everyone must follow that. Like that. So we accept what Arjuna said. And Arjuna said, Krishna... I totally accept as truth. In the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he says, if I know. Arjuna said, you are the supreme personality of Godhead, the ultimate abode, the purest, the absolute truth. You are the eternal, transcendental, original person, unborn. He existed before creation. He's eternal. He exists after creation. The greatest. There's no one above him. He is the supreme. Um, all the great sages, such as Narada, Asita, Devala, Vyas, the compiler of the, all the Vedas, Narada, his guru, etc., they all confirm this truth about you and now you yourself are declaring it to me. And then you see in this... Um, so, for instance... Whatever Arjun accepted, one, one may say, oh, Arjun's a bit biased, he's a friend. No, Arjun's saying, what I've said is accepted in the Vedas, uh, you know, and, and accepted fully, of course, naturally by the compiler of the Vedas. And therefore, in these, um, verse 8 of the same chapter, says, Krishna says, I am the source of all spiritual and material worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who perfectly know this engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. So, now, there are here, the Vedic literature, Prabhupada says, all Vedic literature agrees that Krishna is the source of Brahma, Shiva, and all other demigods. So, not some aspect of the Vedas, all of the Vedas confirm that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's a very significant point. All of the Vedas had the same writer, Vyasadeva. And all of the Vedas, not some may say, oh, we follow this other section of the Vedas. But all of the Vedas and the compiler of the Vedas, his spiritual master and all the sages confirm the same thing. And here's what the Vedas say. 
Otherwise, if we, if we say, if someone says, yes, they may say that in that part of the Vedas, but in a different part of the Vedas, we accept that something else is said. Then why accept the Vedas? Why accept the literature which contradicts itself? It's either something <laughs> that's truth in all time, places, and uh, you know circumstances, or it's not. It's like, well, you know. So, and the common saying is, you know, everyone has their opinion on what the Vedas are saying. So then, why write the book at all? Because you've already got your opinion according to your mental concoctions and your mental senses. So why write the book? Why go to all that trouble? Everyone's got their, their, their different opinion. So write, why write a book to say, yes, my opinion, everyone's opinion is in the same book, uh, therefore it's authorised. But then, if it's my opinion, why are you forcing it on me? If I say that Krishna is God, then why are you saying, no, he's not? It's supposed to be your opinion. I'm supposed to have mine. So there's so much nonsense. But actually, all of the Vedas confirm that Krishna is the source of Brahma, Shiva, and all other demigods. In the Atava Veda, Gopala Tapini Upanishad, 124, it is said, Yo Brahmanam, Vridati, Purvam, Yovai, Vidamscha, Kviyati, Sma, Krishna. So this is one of the Upanishads, it was Krishna who in the beginning instructed Brahma in Vedic knowledge <coughs> and who disseminated Vedic knowledge in the past. Then again in the Narayana Upanishad, one says, Atha Purusho Havai Narayano Kamayata Prajaha Sedjati. Then the Supreme Personality Narayan desired to create living entities. So the creator of all living so as we describe, as we'll hear here, he created Brahma, Shiva, like that. And that Narayan is Krishna. And the Upanishad continues, and there's some Sanskrit there. From Narayan, Brahma is born. And from Narayan, the patriarchs are also born. From Narayan, Indra is born. From Narayan, the eight Vasus were born. And from Narayan, the eleven Rudras are born. From Narayan, the twelve Adichas were born. This Narayan is an expansion of... Uh, so Prabhupada says, so Prabhupada says, this Narayan is an expansion of Krishna. But then that's confirmed that the same Vedas, uh, Brahmano Deviki Putra, the son of Deviki Krishna, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. See? So that's in the same Narayan Upanishad. The same, Narayan has created everyone. Uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember having a discussion. There was someone came from India and who's running around the temple saying Narayan is supreme. You've all got it wrong. And someone asked me, "Can you please speak to him?" I said, "Yes, Narayan is supreme. I'm not arguing with you, but Narayan and Krishna are the same person." <laughs> but that's what it says in the Vedas. So we we don't disagree that Narayan is supreme. It's Krishna. He appeared as Krishna. And then it says, there's some more Sanskrit there, in the beginning of creation, there was only the Supreme Personality of God in Narayan. There was no Brahma, no Shiva, no water, no fire, no moon, no heaven and earth, 
no stars in the sky and no sun. And in the Maha Upanishad, it is also said that Lord Shiva was born from the forehead of the Supreme Lord. Thus the Vedas say that it is the Supreme Lord, the creator of Brahma and Shiva, who is to be worshipped, which is exactly what uh, Daksha is saying here. Okay. And a um, couple of other verses, just to fire off another couple of uh, torpedoes. The patriarchs, Shiva and others, are created by me, though they do not know that they are created by me because they are deluded by my illusory energy. That's from the Varaha Purana. And then another one. Narayan is the supreme personality of Godhead. From him, Brahma was born, from whom Shiva was born. Like that. So these are different um, uh, transcendental statements from the Vedas conclude again and again and again that uh, the supreme absolute truth is the personality of Godhead and that he existed in all his glories so the Vedas are filled with descriptions from Narayan. Narayan has four hands. He holds club, this, you know, lotus conch. And um, he has beautifully decorated and surrounded by so many devotees. He resides in the abode of Vaikuntha. That is described again and again in the Vedic scriptures. That personality in all his transcendental glory existed before creation. But Krishna is described in the same Vedas as the very source of Narayan. Narayan is an expansion or the same personality of Godhead in a slightly different mood because his devotees, when, when one wants to worship God as God, they worship him as Narayan, manifesting the full opulence of God. And the reason Krishna is so hard to understand is that if God says, you you may love me because I'm God. That is very wonderful. And being God is part of the reason you love me. But if I put aside all the benefits that you'll get from me and being God, do, do you still, are you still interested in me? <laughs> do, you, you know, do you still love me? Like that. So <clears throat> I was given an example the other day that... Um, so, for instance, we have the Queen, Queen Elizabeth. She's adored by, you know, so many people all over the world. Um, I think Prabhupada once said she's one of the most pious women in the world. You know, obviously she's just uh, her... The piety in her previous life must have been quite tremendous uh, for her to attain that uh, position of royalty and hold that throne uncontested for all these years. Um, <clears throat> but basically at the moment she's an elderly lady now if she walked into the shop and you didn't know she was a queen she'd get no special preferences if she said oh, I'm in a hurry I've got to go yeah just wait in the back of the line thanks <laughs> and stop causing disturbance <laughs> isn't it So it's because she's the queen. Sometimes people are very powerful and then they lose that powerful position and they lose all their friends. You know, they lose their money like that. So <clears throat> God is saying that 
he, he likes that type of love where he puts aside the fact that he is God and then enjoys those devotees who just love him as a person. Um, and uh, with full surrender, very intense love. And of course, Krishna came to exhibit that uh, love in Vrindavan, but he appears like an ordinary person because he puts aside the fact that he is God and walks among, amongst us as like a, in his apparent human form. And that is actually, the, he says, this is my original form because in the spiritual world, I like to enjoy love with the, you know, wonderful devotees like this, not because I'm God, but just as a person amongst all my loving devotees. That's how he likes to be in the spiritual world. God has no work to do in the spiritual world. He doesn't have to be God. <laughs> he especially has to be God when he comes to this world. He has to you know, maintain everything as Vishnu. But God has no work to do. Prabhupada often tells the story of <coughs> someone who... Uh, I think it was a German scholar. You know, Germans love Sanskrit and the Vedas and like that. And um, he saw the different deities in India and he concluded uh, Krishna is God. <laughs> Why is Krishna God? I mean, he's the only one who has no work to do. You know, Shiva's the, you're in charge of uh, destruction and, uh, you know, punishing uh, those. Uh, you know, uh, destruction, of course, is a very important business. Uh, because, um, you know, it's, uh, so it's part of the process of uh, how things are uh, rectified. So the nature of the material world is things are always deteriorating uh, or, you know, becoming polluted and contaminated. And the process of contamination allows things to be renewed. So it's not just a punishment or what have you, but it's the process of maintaining part of maintaining everything in its proper order is that sometimes things have to be destroyed, removed, you know, gotten rid of. So, so he has that work to do in a variety. There are four different types of destruction, and that, that's mentioned in the, in the Bhagavatam. Uh, <coughs> Brahma has creation. Even Vishnu, who is non-different from Krishna, maintains Krishna comes and enjoys with his devotees to show. You know, so he understood. That's God. He's God. So, um, <clears throat> so, this, uh, so, so that's very hard to understand because of his human-like form and his activity. But then Krishna, in his pastimes, he says, just to let you know, just to remind you, yes, I'm showing you how we, you know, how we roll in the spiritual world, but, uh, you know, if you want to challenge my teachings in the Gita and challenge, uh, you know, what I'm trying to present for the benefit of, you know, those who want to go back to the spiritual world, I'll show you. And then, that, so he was able to lift the Govardhan Hill uh, and, um, uh, you know, lived in uh, his palaces with 16,108 queens. Each one, he lived in a separate palace with that queen different set of children and if you go into one palace you see that Krishna is there with his different wife with different children and you quickly run next door the same Krishna he's got all the <laughs> 16,108 wives 
millions of children, grandchildren, etc., like that. At the time of speaking Bhagavad Gita, Krishna was about 90 years old as a great grandfather. He still looked like a young boy, and he had something like that. So <clears throat> he shows us that, um, yes, I'm doing these activities, but I'm the Supreme Lord. But it makes it very hard for people to understand. So, therefore, first of all, the Vedas do establish again and, and again and again, and then we have literatures like the Bhagavad Gita and the Shuma Bhagavatam, which if you put aside all the other um, aspects of the Vedas which are meant for those who are on the, under the modes of material nature and who are not purely seeking uh, to connect fully with the Supreme, if you put aside all those other topics, then you condense the transcendental nectar, you get the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam. <clears throat> and again, that is mentioned in the, um, you know, the ninth verse of the tenth chapter. It says, The thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me, their lives are fully devoted to my service and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening one another and conversing about me. Now at the end of this, Prabhupada says <coughs> um, in his purport, the Srimad Bhagavatam is also full of such narrations about the relationship between the Supreme Lord and his devotees Therefore, the Shuma Bhagavatam is very dear to the devotees. As stated in the Bhagavatam itself, 12, 13, 18, Shrimad Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yad Vaishnavanam Priyam. In this narration, there is nothing about material activities, economic development, sense gratification, or liberation. Shrimad Bhagavatam is the only narration in which the transcendental nature of the Supreme Lord and his devotees is fully described. Thus, the realized souls in Krishna consciousness take continual pleasure in hearing such transcendental literatures just as a young boy and girl take pleasure in association. I love that last sentence. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and you can see <clears throat> Srila Prabhupada's, of course, uh, we can't imitate Srila Prabhupada's love, uh, how dear the Srimad Bhagavatam is to Prabhupada, that he was prepared to, <coughs> at the age of uh, nearly 70, take the trip alone without any money to the Western countries he'd never been before with no guarantee <coughs> whether he would even survive, live. <coughs> and so convinced that if people could hear the topics of the Bhagavatam in the association of devotees, <coughs> then uh, the potency that Krishna says is there will manifest. And lo and behold, what happened? Krishna, Prabhupada, he chanted the Hare Krishna mantra, spoke Bhagavad Gita, spoke Shrimad Bhagavatam, and the potency of Krishna manifested all over the world. Temples all over the world. Devotees all over the world. No, you know, um, say, leader of a religious 
institutional, what to speak of a pioneer, has ever accomplished such, especially in the to take that message of God to people who have no interest in the topic and who are, are immersed in drugs and illicit sex and, you know, eating meat and, you know, sinful activities, so many things we can't even speak about, and yet the potency of the Bhagavad Gita and the potency of Srimad Bhagavatam in the association of devotees is very effective. And <clears throat> what Prabhupada explained to us that through the disciplic succession, if we just try to serve the spiritual masters, should, you know, the spiritual masters coming after Prabhupada in his line, this Prabhupada, the previous acharyas, <clears throat> they will fully bless us with that same potency. Like that. Therefore, you know, it's a very interesting concept because um, uh, one of the things... Um, in a very, because um, I see a lot of people, and, and one of the things I often think, you know, because you think, how to get through <laughs> to some people when you know they're just on a different platform, completely, and they've got all these biases. <clears throat> and um, I, I often remember this particular point that if we can just, to the best of our ability, just try and present the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhagavatam, even though they don't know sometimes you, you're doing it. So sometimes you don't mention the word Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, but you're actually speaking that philosophy. <laughs> but it's still, it has an effect on people. It actually has a potency. And, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I still remember giving classes from the very beginning. Uh, I remember my first class. We used to give five-minute classes, practice in the, the room, the uh, reception room over there with Atmaram, help system. Um, I remember the first time they got me to do a class in here. So I've got my 45 minutes, and I was so nervous. Uh, but, and I really didn't think I could do it. So I spoke for five minutes and then ran out of things to say. And then I just sat there red-faced, <laughs> you know, thinking, my God, there's only 14 minutes to go. <laughs> and I, but um, uh, so there was a real lack of confidence. But gradually I understood that I've just got to remember enough from the books and what Prabhupada says to just, if I can just memorise it and get it out there, it has a potency of its own. I mean, I, in other words, I understood I have no realisations at all. That was my uh, five minutes. I've, I've remembered something that I can speak for five minutes, but I have no realisations. I'm chanting Hare Krishna. There must be some faith, but realisations are not very strong. So then <clears throat> I depended entirely upon the fact that actually the process ha is full of potencies. If I can just remember enough to speak something, one day I might have some realisations. Uh, but um, in, the you know, in the meantime, that will do the trick, and it did. And I, I remember devotees who have told me that um, there's, there's a very a devotee. She's very fond, uh, you know, fond to me. She's uh, joined a little after I did, and <clears throat> she just asked me. I saw her. I remember her with the little pigtails. We were at uh, we were distributing books and selling records 
and what have you at, um, for you know, collecting Lakshmi. And uh, she asked me a question. Why did you join the Hare Krishna? And, um, you know, <coughs> I just gave, not from the book, but I actually gave my realisation. So it wasn't from Gita, from a Bhagavatam. It was just, she wanted, I could see she wanted m- me. She's not asking for Vedic proofs. She's a Westerner. I'm not going to, you know, start reading, you know, Gopalatapan Upanishad. No. I said, um, I read the books, it made sense to me, and I thought I'd give it a try for six months, and if it worked, I'd stay. And I found that it did work, and so I did stay. <laughs> That's what I said. She joined the movement, she's still a devotee. Uh, to this day, a very good devotee like that, become a big preacher, collected millions of dollars for Krishna like that. And she told me, you know, it was that conversation that um, made the difference like that. <laughs> but, um, but still, you know, so if we try, if we associate with the devotees, hear and chant the Bhagavatam, we will get realizations. But nonetheless, the process is not dependent upon us. The, potent, the, the process is full of potent realizations itself. And the blessings of Prabhupada, all the acharyas, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, so I'll just, I'll just read one quote to finish up. Uh, again, this is a quote <coughs> uh, by, it's quoted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in uh, the, um, say, uh, several times in the Chaitanya Talam reader, and Prabhupada quotes, I think he quoted this verse, paraphrasing it in that purport. It's from Srimad Bhagavatam 3.25.25, and it says, In the association of pure devotees, discussion of the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. By cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation and thereafter he is freed and his attraction becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. And I'll read his purport. It's not not a long one, but it's nice to hear uh, this essential teaching. So Prabhupada says, and of course this is from the teachings of Lord uh, Kapila uh, to Devahuti, The process of advancing Krishna consciousness and devotional service is described here. The first point is that one must seek the association of persons who are in Krishna consciousness and who engage in devotional service. So they're Krishna conscious, but they're fully engaged in devotional service. And Krishna mentions that. That is, again, it's a a particular qualification of the person you're hearing from. Is this person applying what they're saying? Yes, let me hear from that person. If their life is all nonsense and what have you, mm, you know, <laughs> I'll think about it. Uh, without such association, one cannot make advancement. Simply by theoretical knowledge or study, one cannot make appreciable advancement. So there's something, but tangible, appreciable, something worth, you know, you, nothing. One must give up the association of materialistic persons and seek the association of devotees because without the association of devotees, one cannot understand the activities of the Lord. Generally, people are convinced of the impersonal feature of the absolute truth because they do not associate uh, with devotees. They cannot understand that the absolute truth can be a person. 
and have personal activities. This is a very difficult subject matter and unless one has personal understanding of the absolute truth, there is no meaning to devotion. Service or devotion cannot be offered to anything impersonal. Service must be offered to a person. Non-devotees cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or any other Vedic literature wherein the activities of the Lord are described. They think that these activities are fictional, manufactured stories because spiritual life is not explained to them in the proper mood. So they're not getting the association of devotees. To understand the personal activities of the Lord, one has to seek the association of devotees. And by such association, when one contemplates and tries to understand the transcendental activities of the Lord, the path to liberation is open and he is freed. One who has firm faith in the Supreme Personality of God, he becomes fixed. And his attraction for the association of the Lord and the devotees increases. Very important sign of advancement in devotional service. One increases the desire to associate very nicely with the devotees. Um, association with the devotees means association with the Lord. Very powerful, yeah. So if one is able to associate with the devotees and constantly be hearing and chanting, the Lord is right with you. So God is in this room. <laughs> he's on the altar, he's on the, he's everywhere. So the devotee who makes this association develops the consciousness of rendering service to the Lord and then being situated in the transcendental position of devotional service, he gradually becomes perfect. And that's what we want. We actually want to become to the transcendental position. No lust, no greed, uh, no anger, jealousy, envy, uh, no material motivations. Done with material existence, there's nothing here for me. I'm going back to the spiritual world. I'm going to associate with devotees for that reason and that alone. Like that. That's the transcendental position. And, and one can attain that. And there are thousands of devotees all over the world who are doing exactly that. And that is the potency. So no one can deny it. Anyone like to argue that point? <laughs> Any comments or questions? All good? Okay, thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm.